All right, guys, you're here with Big John McCarthy and Josh Thompson. We're here in studio. This is it. We finally got you here. Bellator this weekend. What and I think? have not been drinking. I was not drinking the other day. <laughs> uh, I, I was eating so, street tacos. It killed me. I had so many people say, yeah, his face looks a little red. Like, he like, looked a little bloodshot, a little flush, a, a little flush in the face. Anyways, I was like, yeah, you guys got to forget, though. Like, it's... <laughs> It's like six, seven, six o'clock, six thirty here. It's like nine thirty, ten o'clock over there. It's Thank a big, you. it's a time change. So, all right. So look, we promised you guys we would be doing the um, fan questions, and that's really what we're doing today. We're just going to answer all it. the fans' questions. We're going to get into we'll it. See and jump if there's into good it. questions or if there's there's going to be questions. you know there's going to be always bad ones, bad and you know what I mean by bad, right? Oh yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's by the bad. It's the it. ones that everywhere, the ones that people think that the UFC is the sport, and it's actually just the <laughs> I organization, love that. right? Yeah. It's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's not called the, Ultimate the, the, Fighting. No, no, the it's sport called, is not called Ultimate Fighting. No. No, it's called really? it's called mixed martial arts. It's a mixture of all martial arts. God damn it, you yeah, learn something every day. Yeah, I know, right? That's pretty good. So it's yeah, like yeah. when someone said when someone asks you a really dumb question, says like, "So tell me what's your <laughs> what's your worst rule in the UFC?" You, oh yeah, you mean your worst rule in the M- in, yeah, in yeah, MMA? Yeah, Is that what you meant to yeah, say? Yeah, that's I, what, I think that's what you meant to say. Okay, I'm sure that that'll be a question. Like, hey, what's the worst? What's the worst rule in M- in UFC? And we're like, what do you mean the worst the worst rule in MMA? Let's go, Dave. All right, all right. So the first question is from Beetle Gray, and he asks, "Hey guys, one topic I would uh, one topic I'd like you to discuss that was never brought up by anyone except Joe Rogan while he was announcing the fight, and only that moment was in the Maya and Usman fight. In the match, there was a point in the fight that Maya was behind Usman while standing, one hook in, and Usman basically in a wrestling guillotine, uh, but standing, and the ref stopped it and basically took Maya's chance to win the fight. Why was it stopped? Because uh, guys make mistakes. Let's be." Yeah. What he's talking about is I, I can remember the fight, and Maya, at the one point, I think it was in the first round, gets a point where he gets a guillotine, uh-huh. but it's standing, and he's starting to try to wrap it up, and it's just not happening, and the referee ends up separating the fighters out of it, and that's where, I mean, if you could pull that up, we can look at it yeah. and stuff. I'm trying to see... Right here? No, no, no. This, no. That's not it right there. That, that, that would so be. he's in a standing guillotine? Yeah. And you, with the it, arm in or with the arm out? Uh, arm was in. Okay. Uh, but it's a matter of, look at referees are, are under a position of, you know, they're sometimes they get involved in this thing of they want to make the fight exciting. And I tell guys all the time, I tell referees, look at you cannot make a bad fight good Mm -hmm. but you can definitely make a good fight bad yeah and you do not do things that are going to take away someone's opportunity because you never know when someone a slick guy especially like amaya can all of a sudden change that grip change what he's got get the angle that he needs and now we have a real submission taking place so you know this is where you'll get sometimes a referee will He'll in, insert himself into the fight when you go, ah, you should never have done that at yeah. that time. And it just happens. <clears throat> yeah. you Have you noticed that sometimes refs feel like they need to be part of the action? They oh, yeah. Need, and they don't need to be that? Yeah. They yeah, don't yeah. need to do that? What, what you'll what you really find is I had something for everything that happened in an MMA fight, you know, when it came to being on the ground. You know, if I came back and I, you know, I, I, I did this with you, but you wouldn't remember it. You know, I would tell you, Josh, 
Okay, let me explain. If you end up underneath your opponent, okay, and you put him in guard, you hold, you've got him, you grab a hold of him, you pull him in tight, you're defending yourself well, that's great. I am telling you right now, I am never going to stand you up. You are the one stalling my fight. If you want me to think about standing you up from this position, then you want to open your guard and attack your opponent. Show that he is the one trying to hold on to you. Yeah. That's when he's stalling on top, I will be standing you up. God. But if you're stalling from underneath, so there was in every situation, but anytime there was a possible submission in place, and even if the, the house was coming down with booze because the fans, they don't understand how close this is, yeah. I am never going to stop that and take that away from the fight. What is your take on... I've seen a couple of refs, not, I can't recall, not in the UFC or, or in any... In a bigger organization, but I've seen in some smaller shows, refs had stood people up from the back position. Oh, yeah. and I, and to myself, that's a finishing position. That's well, not one of those positions I, you should be standing people up. I can tell you, and I've seen, you know, I've seen Herb Herb has stood guys up when a guy's got someone's back. I can, there's two times in my life of all the fights that I did that I stood someone up out of mountain. Now I've never I've never stood anyone up out of having someone's back. Never done it. But I did stand two times, two fights. One was Frank Shamrock against Jeremy Horn. Okay. And, and you know, that was a fight that was all the way back at UFC 17. Yeah. And Jeremy's coming in. I knew Jeremy. I knew who Jeremy was. I knew how good Jeremy was. Frank is coming into it. He's the champion. He's going to be the first fight of the night. And in being the first fight of the night, he, you know, is looking at like this guy's going to be a nothing. They're just doing this to you know build my name, and they're going to put it on this special of Frank Shamrock, and he's in the fight of his life. Yep. And Jeremy is throwing him around and taking him down. But Jeremy gets a mount position on Frank, and he just bases out. And I'm waiting, waiting. He's not doing anything. I said, Jeremy, got to do something. Jeremy, work, right? And and he started to bring his hand, and he put his hand right back, and he would start to. And finally, I said, Jeremy, if you do not do something, I'm going to stand you up. Right, and he just stays there, and so I had to stand him up there because yeah. there's nothing was because Frank's just holding on to him, nothing's yeah. happening, and I stand it up, and eventually he ends up losing to a knee bar, and I went in the back afterwards, and I go, "Did you not hear me when I was saying?" He goes, "Oh, absolutely, John, I heard every word you were saying." I go, well, "Then what in the hell were you thinking?" And he looks at me, and he goes straight out, he goes. I, I swear to God, I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm mounted on Frank Shamrock, and I don't want him to do anything to me. <laughs> so. I could totally see I, that. Though. I just looked at him and said, got it, right? Yeah. And I, I just went off. And this, the other time, I stood Kimbo Slice yeah. fighting Dada 5000. They were both exhausted. That was, <laughs> it's just, it was a horrible fight. And so that was the second time. But that was the only that fight to me was, it was insane, though. As a fan outside, he got knocked it, out by the wind. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> but I'm saying, I almost killed two guys in that fight. You think, oh, yeah. yeah you think true. about it. But they like, were they so both. But it was such an entertaining fight. Oh my god, it like, was horrible. It, <laughs> it was horrible. A lot of people ask me, is that the worst fight? No, not even close to not the even worst close. fight. Not even close. Oh you know, man. Worst fight ever. Dan Severn versus Ken Shamrock, UFC nine. A lot of reasons for it. A lot of, you know, political things, legal issues coming in. But you watch that, it was 
horrible. Uh, it was better to watch paint dry on the fucking ceiling. But to me, Dada and Kimbo, like the crowd was nuts. Oh yeah, it was so like for me, it was just so intense. That's and, UFC six. This is so a fast bad. one. This is actually a good a good fight for Ken Shamrock. He, he gets a guillotine choke on Dan. But you'll watch if you watch this. What you're gonna see is when he gets the guillotine. Dan Severn tr tries to punch his way out of it. And at the time, you could hit to the groin. Ken used oh. to wear a Muay Thai cup and watch what he does with his hand when he hits him to the groin. You'll see because he, so he gets hard. caught into the, into the guillotine. Now the guillotine starts to go into place. And watch, what, watch him punch with his right hand. Oh, gets out for a second. Comes back. Nice wizard. That's but... Used to wear one of those steel cups. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. I, that's the only thing I ever wore my whole career. That's what I'm surprised, guys. Smartest thing ever. That they wore these plastic and you cups. Can look at you, and you can use it. Watch, watch. You know, he sticks his head right in the middle here. He's getting choked. Watch the right hand. Dink, oh. and he goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's old. Maybe Ken's just hung like a horse. <laughs> you never know, right? Oh, he just got all. All that. There oh, you hilarious. go. That's Kimbo and Dada. Now that <laughs> was a fight. It was a, it was Please to me not. it was entertaining. It was straight it, we're in the entertainment business. It was entertaining. Oh, what watch this. He missed him by a foot and a half <laughs> and he went down. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> watch watch how close it is. Oh, oh that, that one, one actually touched right there. That, that's not the one. <laughs> watch. Watch it. Watch it. Missed by a foot and a half and he's going down. <laughs> he was already on his way down though before that. <laughs> Oh. Both of those guys, you look at that fight, Kimbo in the back, he had two things. He had split his toe on his foot, and so he had this, like, gash, and he was the biggest baby about it. He's like, oh, yeah. but his heart rate was so high, and it know. wouldn't come down, and then Dada ended up, same thing, and then went into renal failure because of the loss of weight. A lot of bad things happened. <clears throat> those guys. But to me, it was an entertaining night. <laughs> I get a kick out of it because here's the thing. There was so much talk going into that fight, so much hype and publicity going into that fight that neither guy wanted to lose. And you can honestly say that they fought to the bitter end. Oh, like, they fought was, as hard as they, they could. They fought as they possibly And now, obviously, we're not talking like, you know, lightweight pace. But it was, no. you know, but to me, I felt like for two big guys, heavier set guys, one was more muscle bound, the other one was heavier set. But I thought, I thought entertainment wise, in the entertainment business we're in, I thought it was a good. Fight. I thought it was entertaining as all hell. But I'm obviously a little bit biased because you're totally biased because that was a horrible fight. I was in. <laughs> I go horrible. back. I go back to the movie Gladiator, and when he yells, "Are you not entertained?" and I was like, "Yes, I am." Yeah, but he put on a good performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> details, 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 details. Come what's on, the, Dave, give us the second what's one. What's the next one? All right, the next one is. Um, Can you try to speak English a little bit better? Because shop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey guys, love the show. Wanted to ask a question. It seems like UFC is always scrambling to make champion versus champion pay per views, while at the same time fighters are also complaining they don't get paid enough money. What do you guys think about the fight card with no champions but five great fights in the main event? Imagine a pay per view with the headliner Nate Diaz, George Masvidal. Uh, Gaslam versus Darren Till, Tyrone versus Justin Gaethje, uh, Mauro Moraes versus Corey Sandhagen, and uh, Ben Askren versus Kevin Lee. Even without a championship headlining, these fights would be sold quite well. Imagine if every fighter in the card got a percentage of pay-per-view. 
instead of the, just the champion. Everyone walks away a little bit happy and they can reserve the champion fights for pay-per-views. Well, what's, what's the question? Uh, those five fights headline and pay- are, are taken or are like being a pay-per-view. Why? When they can have five separate pay-per-views and make probably about the same amount of money. They'll take each one of those fights and make them a headliner and then just have a bunch of other fights that are on, maybe one or two other good fights, and they'll just do that. Because the, the, the way I feel about this is once they did the ESPN deal, there's no reason for them to have huge headliners anymore. Nope. They'll have the occasional one here and there like they did with DC and Yoel uh, Romero and Costas and all those. Great That's card. great card. But you got to remember, though, where that card was. It was, it was in L.A. They need to come with big fights. Otherwise, no one's going to come to that event. In LA, when you do shows in New York, Chicago, and LA, you have to come with big cards. If you don't, people are like, I'd rather go to the club. I'd rather go to restaurants. I'd rather go They have, have a lot of choices. They have tons of other choices to do things, and there's no reason for them to go to the card. And that, and that to me, is when you're talking about a card like that, Dave, and when he's asking a question like that, to me, they would rather break those guys up, maybe put one or two on one card, and they're still going to get paid the same amount of money because they did the deal with ESPN. Am I right or am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right as far as like, the ESPN deal changed everything. Because I don't, I don't think people kind of really get what occurred mm. with that deal and with the ESPN Plus. Because you got to figure the, the UFC has been from its inception, 1993, it was a pay-per-view model that was supporting it. That's what happened, you know, if you go way back when John McCain started his his little thing about human cockfighting fighting and everything, and we started to get pulled off of cable uh, pro- providers, that was almost the death mm-hmm. toll for the UFC. And, you know, it was Bob Meyerowitz who owned it at the time. He was going into his, his and trying to keep it alive. And he, look, he was robbing Peter to pay Paul. He was owing a lot of people money and, you know, just trying to keep it going. When Zufa, you know, Lorenzo Fertitta and Frank Fertitta and, and Dana come in, then, you know, that pay-per-view model really wasn't there for them because there just wasn't that much. They finally get it back on pay-per-view, and that's where, the, you know, they were going to make their big money. And where they made their big money was off of doing the ultimate fighter because you can go all the way back. I, I always say that UFC 40 which was Ken Shamrock versus Tito Ortiz, first time. And that Vendetta. was that was the show that I knew it's going to survive, <clears throat> in my, at least in my opinion, my head. I was like, they, uh, they did 150,000 pay-per-view buys. That was huge for them. Okay, that was huge for yeah. them, okay? And they sold out the MGM Grand at I the was time. There in that arena. You know, and it was a big, it was just a big, feel and the electricity of the crowd and it was like it's gonna make it but it's still they were losing money you gotta you gotta figure at that point you know they were close to 40 million dollars in the hole they got to 44 million dollars in the hole and went to 54 million dollars in the hole when lorenzo fertita made the decision i'm going to pay for all the production and for the time on spike tv to do the ultimate fighter dana white did not want to do that oh wow he did not oh dude all these i think this is a terrible idea you got to figure lorenzo had done a uh it's called american casino with craig Mm pelagian and he was it was about the green valley 
ranch casino that he and his brother owned. Beautiful spot. And it is a beautiful spot. And they had this whole reality TV show that Craig Pelligian was doing it. And then Lorenzo decided with you know using Craig Pelligian as his company, his production company, and doing The Ultimate Fighter, I'm going to pay for it. And I'm going to pay for the time. And it cost him $10 million. They wow. were $54 million in the hole. And then you had... <clears throat> That season with you know a bunch of guys that you know you knew very well yes. Kostic and Kost, Lieben and Swick and Lieben. Swick and everybody and then you know that big Bobby fight Southworth. with yep. you know Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner that's what turned it around. Was it that fight that catapulted them or was it? I know that fight had a lot to do with it. I'm not. I'm not definitely not going to knock that fight. Yeah. But I'm saying that first season was the best season I think they ever had. Just well, the Bobby Southward being was, drugged back into the in the, the, the back into the Chris sauna. Lieben. Yeah, being yeah. drugged back into the sauna. Chris Lieben and the the bed peeing thing. Koscheck beating him and all the other drama and Kos all the alcohol and drinking yeah. that went along with it. You know, they took alcohol out. I think, not, was it that season? They took it out after that season. Uh, well, they took it out and then realized, oh, no, we need it yeah, because, oh, my it. God, we need these guys to act like fools. Yeah. But it was, you know, that it was that season. You know, they give a lot of credit to that fight. It wasn't the fight. It was that people finally got to see that fighters are people. Yeah. That they're humans and they have, they have emotions, they have feelings, they're stupid at times, they're, they're very smart about certain things. And it gave them someone to grab onto and like, mm -hmm. you know, and it gave them someone to hate. And, you know, there were guys that filled the card on both of those, yep. you know, Koscheck. Look at, he came, heel, born and oh raised to man, be he came out of that season. Yep. He would walk into an arena and the entire arena would boo, yep. you know, and you, and he took it well and used it and made a lot of money off of yeah, it. Yeah, so. exactly. But then you have guys like Chris Lieben who acted like total jackasses on the show. Total. And they ended up falling in love with him. Absolutely. People loved him for they, all the Because they drama looked at him like he was real. Yes, very true. And Costas was the opposite of that. Yeah. You know? But I thought I thought overall, to me, I'm definitely not knocking the force and Stefan fight. That, to me, I was there live in that night and watching it. It was what a it fight. It was a great what fight. What a fight. What a fight. But the, the thing that people say, this is where people lose it. They go, that was the greatest fight in UFC history. Not even close. No. Okay, and look at You have to understand, at that time, the level of those guys and what they were doing yeah. was limited, okay? Yeah. And, and not that it wasn't a great fight. It was two guys that matched up and went after it. Phenomenal fight. Fun to watch. Not even close no. to what was the best well, fight. Well, it depends on what your no. idea of what the best fight is. Entertainment-wise, I, I put it up there and probably like, not my Mount Rushmore, but it's up there. It's up there, though. <laughs> I'd say in the top 10, though. When I was sitting there live yeah, not watching. Even close. And I know what I'm saying. In entertainment of me watching a fight live and just being in the arena, the excitement and the energy in that little tiny-ass arena. Cox Pavilion. Yeah, that little tiny arena we were at. Like, I look, I think of, I remember and recall how the crowd was going nuts. And how I, those are all things that I still remember and I still carry with me. Yeah. Uh, that's what makes those going to events live so important. I think oh, yeah. if you have, you, you can't duplicate that uh, sitting in front of a TV and watching it in HD and paying 75 bucks. I'd rather pay a little bit more and get, get a ticket in the arena and get to hear the music and the walkouts and the, the energy and the crowd. And those are the things that to me make fights oh. good in the top 10. You know, I'm like, sure, they're great on TV. But when I'm watching fights, now don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of fights that I've sat and been like, oh my God, those are great fights. Oh, yeah. But that's one of those fights to me. I would say probably in my top 10, maybe towards the end or lighter, latter end of it, yeah, like it say would, 9 and 10. But I could it's pull out there, a, though. I could pull a whole lot out there. But I'd say it's, but, that, but. yeah, but you've also covered a lot more fights than yeah. I have. <laughs> 
I'm not trying. Maybe. Let's Maybe. be real. I yeah. think you work every we work every weekend, sometimes in other countries all around the world, reference fights. So I think you got you got the nod on me on this. But I'm talking about just strictly fights that I've been around and been able to watch. Yeah, yeah that's definitely, I think, in that top 10. And I think also, too, with the fact that I hold it a little bit, probably a little bit higher because I felt like that was, even though it was part of season one and we just talked about it, not holding the sport to its, to making what the sport is. But it had something to do with it, and I, oh, I, yeah. I always, I always try to put, I put some importance behind that. And I'm a huge Forrest Griffin fan, so I, I love Forrest, man. Forrest he's funny. Of, he's one of my. He's, he is hysterical. He is. Have you, have you ever watched him spar? Oh yeah. Have you ever heard him yell at his coaches while he's sparring? Oh yeah. To coach him. Oh, are you kidding? It's the greatest thing. He came <laughs> AKA and was like training, and he's like, "Hey, I would if you guys would all just shut, shut the, the fuck, fuck up." up. <laughs> and everyone's like, he "Says it all the time." And we were. It was like the first day he came to AKA, and everyone's like, "Oh, well, I guess he doesn't want to be coached anymore." <laughs> but it was great. And afterwards, he's like, "Hey guys, I just don't like to be coached when I'm. I get it. I understand what I got to do. I'm getting my ass kicked right now. I'm trying to fucking figure it out, you know. But it's. I get it. I understand. But to me, that was one of those moments where. Forrest always had this personality that people looked at him like he was this funny, goofy guy. He's not. No. He's not like that at all. That's Uh -uh. not who he is. But he can play that if he wants. Yeah. But he's a sharp, smart dude, man. You know, he's got it going. He is is a thinker. The story with him after he won, remember they gave him that scion. And he drove that thing until it fucking the wheels fell oh, off. That thing, I, I like the the inside door panels were missing. Like it had been wrecked, and it was like yeah, people had hit. Like it was all dinged up. Had like uh, marker all over the dashboard. I think one of I think his kid or someone got a hold of a marker. And it, anyways, I remember someone showing me a picture of it, and uh, he's like, yeah, this is this is Forrest, like his old Scion, the one they gave him. Oh, they'll keep it, man. He kept, he yeah. rode it till the fucking wheels fall off. He was the guy, though, too, that because he got so many shirts when he was training all the time. People from, from what was that? That uh, supplement, Zions. 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 Zions and some other companies, they were all cop 28, all those companies who sent him so many shirts, right? He would just train them once and throw them away because he had so many clothes. He's just like, forget it, man. He's like, I just would just, I, I would wash them. Like, hey, it's a break. He'd open it. I see him watch him open it up out of the package, put it on for training, sweating it, and just throw it away. Didn't bother even trying to wash stuff. It was uh, to me those are moments that I remember when you when I talk about fighters. There's little things in my memory bank that you always just store off. And you're uh, like, I remember that. That's pretty yeah. funny. The other thing I remember off the Ultimate Fighters at the end because they had Chuck and Randy were the two coaches. Yep. And at the end of it, they gave each of them these decked out Hummers. Yeah. Yeah, the old, the old Hummer H two, yep, yep. and they had UFC embroidered on it, giant sound systems. They're all mm-hmm. decked out, and that thing got Randy got that thing stolen out of the same parking lot twice. <laughs> <laughs> They're just waiting for him to park. Oh, I was just waiting. Oh, ah, we're man. gonna take that sucker again, right? Right after Chuck got his, I went down to Slow and and I stayed at his house for for probably like a week or so. And he's like, "Hey, will you do me a favor?" He's like, "Will you run down and piece? I ordered a bunch of sushi. Will you go down and pick it up for me?" He's like, "Just take my my my." my hummer so i jumped in he's like hey do not curb those fucking rims he's like you curb those rims he's like don't even bring it back like, you should have seen me i was like like you Parked know about that far away from the yeah curb, like right? you know your dad tells you like don't fucking wreck my car you're like i was driving like 20 miles an hour and slow just everywhere like making sure no one's around me but it was pretty funny anyways story i had to tell real quick uh what's another story? what's another one uh, this one's from Paul Mayer. Uh, one for Big John. Did you ever get anxious in a fight? And uh, if so, which fight were you most anxious for? You know what? It's uh, I talk to people all the time as far as you know other referees. Referees go through all kinds of things. And it's one of the things that 
you know, repetitions, how many times you do something is what's so important for a referee mm-hmm. because you get into a rhythm with it and you get into a, you're, you're doing it so often you see things just clearer, better, and it makes you just, you know, a better referee. But I talk about all the time that, you know, when you'll see a lot of times referees, they have that big fight and you'll see the, you know, the, the fighters are coming in and the referee is standing there. And the big difference between like Herb Dean and me at the time and now like Mark Goddard, I will say, is, you know, when I had a big fight, it didn't matter, you know, if it was Conor McGregor against, uh, you know, Eddie Alvarez at, at Madison Square Garden. My heart rate was probably about 70, 71, 72 beats per minute, which is elevated a little mm-hmm. bit because, you know, you got that buzz going on. But, you know, it's being able to stay calm is going to make <clears> you better. When you get a lot of a lot of guys there, they get that big fight and you don't realize it. But you can see them as they're standing there. You know, their heart rate's at about 140 beats per minute, 145 beats per minute. They're scared. And it's not they're scared of the, they don't want to make a mistake. Yeah. You know, they know the significance behind this. And so they put that pressure on them and it takes them time. Hopefully the fight goes past the first round because they'll settle down. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't and things happen fast, that's when you see mistakes being made because their brain is going so fast because their heart rate's going fast. But let me let me intervene real quick. Yeah. Is when you talk about when you did the Eddie Alvarez and Conor McGregor fight, when you talk about that, when you said seventy, your heart was seven beats per minute. But that's because you've had years and years of experience. These yeah. guys that have been refing or haven't been to the same but level. But you and also can just, still. I can I can tell you that the last yeah. time that I can remember feeling a buzz. Being in the being in the cage, no matter what cage it was at, but we'll say that it was the, it was at the UFC. Conor Conor McGregor was going to fight uh, Jose Aldo, and when I walked in the cage, it was good. And Jose Aldo uh, was the second one coming out. But when Conor came out, you know the lights go down and they do that whole thing. And, mm-hmm. I, and I and I always just I always just stand and just look around at the crowd and and I felt a buzz and I was mm-hmm. like, well, that's unusual, yeah. you know. And then it just went you know went away. But that was the last time that I can tell you. But you know, when I first started refing, dude, I was scared to death because I was scared I was going to make a mistake. And there wasn't a whole lot to make mistakes about back then as far as yeah. the rules. But I didn't want someone to you know, tap and then I didn't see it or something. And so yeah. everything is about those repetitions. Interesting. Yeah, because I just feel like some of the refs are still, you know, like uh, I look at, uh, what's his name? Herzog. Jason? He's, yeah, Jason Herzog. He's still young. Yes. You know, and he has I mean, he's been doing it for what? 5, 6 oh, years. Oh, no, no. Jason's been that? doing it now, I'd say Maybe almost it has been that long. 12 years. 12 years. Okay, so a long yeah. time, but I mean like still not to the level of what you've been doing it for. So it's, I think do you think he's still and I'm not no. saying just simply him, but cuz he seems like he's handled it a lot better. I remember um, the strike force days. Yeah. And I remember but him being like, yeah, it was very much like, <laughs> okay, Josh, okay, this. Okay. It was like but now you I walk through the hall and you see him, you can tell when you riff, yeah. wrestle more comfortable with sure. you. Sure. Hey, what's up, Josh? And they say hi real quick. But whereas before, it was almost like, okay, so I'm going to like do this. I'm going to do it. And they're like, all right, I, I get it, buddy. I get it. <laughs> well, you know, the whole thing with talking to the fighters before, I started that back. You know, if you look at what guys do in MMA refereeing, look, at a lot of it comes from stupid here because I was the, I was the first guy kind of doing it. And I, and I realized what was going to work for me, what was, yeah. what was important. 
and going in the back and talking to the fighters individually because the very first UFC I did was UFC 2. I was at UFC 1. I was there for the rules meeting of UFC 1, which was a, uh, a, a comedy. But UFC 2, I was in charge of the rules thing. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm hitting this podium thing, you know, and I, and I realized I got this guy's fighting this guy. They're not listening to me. No. This is stupid. So I, then I started, I'm, I'm going to go in the back and talk to each fighter individually. And yeah, it's going to take me more time. It's going to be more work. It's going to be more effective. Yeah. And then that just, you know, <clears throat> became part of what I did. And then as I taught guys, but like you talk about Jason, the first time I ever worked with Jason Herzog, you know, and, and I had seen him and, and my wife used to call him um, the uh, palm, uh, purple glove boy because the palm, he used to wear, he, he was being different. And uh. it's like, hey, this isn't about you being different. Yeah. You're supposed to be invisible if you can. But, you know, I, I worked with Jason at a King of the Cage. And afterwards, he, he, you know, he comes up to me and he says, you know, he says, hey, he says, John, is there, is there anything that you think that, you know, I should do different? And I said, and I told him, I said, yeah. I said, and he said, Jason, you, you got to stop hopping around. And change your gloves. I said, you know, we talked about that. But, you know, he used to do this. He really exaggerated hopping. And, he, you know, and I said, look, you need to start walking. It's going to make you more relaxed, more Pay calm. Attention. It's going to help with your decision making. And I said, it's just part of, you know, learning. And he looks, he goes, I don't think I can do that. And I said, okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to force it on you, right? <laughs> so the, the next time we worked, you know, he goes, John, is there anything? I said, dude, you didn't want to listen to me the first time. What do you want now? Yeah. You know? But we became very good friends, and you know I've done a lot with Jason. And I'll tell you right right now, Jason Herzog probably makes the best decisions as an MMA referee. Interesting. Right now there is Jason Herzog's outstanding. Mike Beltran is outstanding. Mark Goddard is outstanding. You know there, there's some really good officials out there that are you know, making great. All the ones choices. you didn't bring up, right? They're gonna send you an email. Oh yeah, or a text. Well, yeah I can't. what a jerk! Leon, Leon <laughs> Roberts is you know a guy from England. I, I really I like I like guys that are doing it for the right reasons, and it's Got one it. of the things that drives me crazy is guys that they want to be somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I work with a guy named Jaron Vallel, and and he uh, he's the reason I work with him is you know when I when I he came to one of my classes to learn. And I realized quickly, hey, this guy's smart. And he had all the right things about it. He was doing it because, first off, he was a fighter. He had fought and, you know, he wrestled, you know, he wrestled in Canada, so you can't say the wrestling was that great. But <laughs> so I'm just kidding, Canada. But, you know, the, the level of wrestling is not quite what it is here yeah. in the U.S. But he had wrestled there. He fought MMA. He fought, you know, kickboxing. And then became, you know, a uh, he kind of got pushed into being a referee and he wanted to, you know, hey, if I'm going to do this, I want to be good at it. And he was super smart. And I became, you know, a guy that I just started, you know, taking him. And he kept coming back. And then I, I started having him teach with me. And you can see just the progression of these guys. But there's certain guys out there. They're so smart about the sport. One of the things I really hate is you hear all this stuff about people have no idea how skilled those referees are at the martial arts. You know, Jaron, he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mark Goddard, he's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Jason Herzog is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mike Beltran is a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Look at these guys, they know what they're looking at. These people are good, yeah. you know, and they don't get, you know, a lot of people, you know, obviously, you know, I hear Dominic Cruz, obviously Mark you know, Goddard doesn't know anything about wrestling. 
Mark Goddard wrestles to this day. Okay. <laughs> yes, he knows wrestling. It's because you don't like his decision. Yeah. Okay, but look at all of the top guys, all of them. Herb doesn't, you know, Herb used to fight, but doesn't, you know, do the things like he did before. But he still trains, and all of them train, you know, in San Jose here. You'll see they'll all get together, and they're on the mat, and they're training, and they're rolling together because that's what keeps them up. That goes into my next, well, I, since I know we're supposed to be answering fans' questions, but my question, though, is do you think that the avenue for fighters to become referees, because I've seen Frank Trigg, <laughs> seen some other guys from back in the day, uh, what's it called, um, Shaolin, he was doing it for a yeah. while. Um, like, <clears throat> is that is that a good avenue, or is it for them, or is it something that potentially, like, they sometimes recall them being fighters could get in the way, interfere with that? Well, it, it's a, pro you know, there's two parts. I can tell you that, you know, out of all the classes that I've done, I've probably had, I don't know, in the area of, maybe, let's say 40 mm -hmm. ex-professional fighters, some very well-known, you know, some like Trigg, well-known, some of them not so well-known, but, you know, I did their fights before, something like that, have come and <clears> done <throat> the training, and most of the time, they fail. I fail them all. Okay, and, and one of their biggest problems is they think – I know MMA. I know. I know. I, I know these rules. I know this, and they don't. Mm. And then they don't understand that there's a mechanics behind being a referee. No different than there is a mechanics behind being a fighter. There's ways of using your feet to get yourself in and out. It's not that we just move our feet. Yeah. Okay. And so it's the same thing with being that referee. And so a lot of them will come in and they have this perception: I'm going to do. I'll be great at this. And then I'm the one telling them, hey, you're not great at it. And this is where, this is where the problem is. Uh, one of the things they do is they, a lot of them tend to bring in their own identity as far as this is what I was good at. And they'll, they'll see somebody doing something and it's working, but it's not the way they would do it. And so they're like, oh, it was crap. And it's like, was it working? Yeah, but it was really sloppy. It was, you know, it's like stop you don't change that you know i don't care if he's doing it like you would do it yeah. i care that is it working is he working is it being effective that's what you're looking for and so it's they have to get out of the mentality that they had as a fighter a lot of them the other part is they will let guys get beat on when it's clear this guy wants out of the fight mm. you know and look at there's many times guys are not going to do this you know, they're not going to quit, but they're waiting for you to stop the fight. Yeah, they'll okay. turn over and give their back. Oh, try absolutely. Try to get choked, or, yeah. they'll just, or they'll just curl up in the fetal curl position. Curl up and put their hands in. And they, yeah. they've been told in the back, hey, you start to do this, I'm gonna, you, you're going to hear yeah. me saying your name. Hey, move, get out, fight back. Yeah. You don't do that, I'm stopping. They know, and they're waiting for it. And the, the, the guy who was the fighter will, you know, well, he, he wasn't getting hit. He wasn't getting hurt that bad. Yeah. He wasn't getting hit, getting hit that hard. I've been hit harder. Yeah. I don't not, care how hard you've been it's not hit. About you, exactly. Yeah. And that's what's got to change. And you know that was Frank was. You know Frank Trigg was a guy. He took a lot of time. I failed Frank twice, <laughs> and then I almost failed him the third time. <clears throat> and I said, "Look at, all right, you're going to come every week." And I started. I just took him through and made him do things over and over. But one of his biggest problems was he couldn't read a fight to judge a fight. He really had problems in remembering what was going on. So I gave him a system, and he's really good at it now as far as judging. But 
he really had this thing about letting guys go. And, and I, the last thing I did, and it was probably a shitty thing to do, but I sat him down in front of a TV and I said, hey, we're going to watch a fight. Third round. I want you to watch this fight. And I put it in. And it's him. <laughs> yeah. Him against Robbie Lawler. <clears throat> and he took, you know, Yuji uh, Shimada was the referee of that fight. And Yuji let Frank get fucking killed. And, I, and, he's, and he looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing, John? I said, watch the goddamn fight. I want you to watch what the referee does. And afterwards, he goes, I get it. He goes, I get it. He goes that, that fight changed me. And I said, yeah. I said, and you're responsible when you're the referee. Mm. I go, could that fight have been stopped sooner? I said, were you done? And he goes, yeah. And I said, okay, this is what I need from you. And he, he just started <clears throat> to get it. And look at he put in a ton of time. People have no idea how much money he put towards it as far as he was living in Hawaii, flying to California to do amateur fights to make wow. nothing. Okay, so he's, and this is, this is the real problem for fighters is fighters are usually looking for something that can be that job. Mm-hmm. And being an MMA judge or referee is not going to be your job. You're going to make, you know, if, if I asked, you know, Jason Herzog, how much money did you make last year? It's probably in the $20,000 range. Oh, wow. Okay, if I asked, you know, uh, another major guy, the guys that are probably making, you know, the most money is going to be Herb. Uh, Mark Goddard's going to make a lot because he's going all over the place, you know, but still not what people think. So. Yeah, I was thinking like somewhere, if they're making, I would imagine like 1500 maybe 2000 a show. I that's mean, a good about, night but it, that's a good night and but then they got to be doing i figure i thought they were doing shows every weekend you know yeah but see a lot of the shows you know when if you're doing a if you're doing a, a ufc or a bellator here in california mm-hmm. and it's a championship fight you're gonna make nineteen hundred dollars if you're the referee for that championship oh. fight now that's all the fights you're doing you're you're getting the same pay Mm -hmm. but if you get that main event fight your pay is going to be since you do the championship fight it's going to be nineteen hundred dollars all right but that's how often do you get those fights and a lot of the fights you're doing here you're getting three hundred and fifty dollars four hundred dollars that's your night oh wow so a lot of them are a lot didn't know that yeah didn't know i thought it was always like a flat fee of a thousand no not even close every show and the other part the other part of it is you don't even know what you're going to make unless you're doing that championship fight you have no idea what they're going to pay you because it switches you know here in california it's based upon is it on tv how many tickets were sold and your pay will be adjusted based upon all those factors so you know you could go to a show and think I'll make five hundred dollars, and you get paid two hundred dollars. Man, you guys need a referees union. <laughs> yeah, tell kidding. me about I'm it. I'm kidding. <clears throat> uh, next question. Uh, really, real asks one to each of you guys. Um, one in Big John is uh, John. Since you're a part of the Bellator team, do you expect UFC Dana to treat you the same? And will you ever go back to refereeing for UFC and other promotions? And then Josh's question is: uh, Have you left the sport with any serious injuries, trauma? Uh, do you feel it was worth it and would you do it if you could go back and do it all again? Go. Um, yeah, I think every fighter leaves with serious trauma. We leave brain damage for sure. There's no doubt about it. My memory is nowhere like it used to be. Especially um, after the last fight. My car. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's okay. But like the things that I can do to Dave later after this show is uh, over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's, certain, there's certain good things about being the fighter. Um, yeah, just realistically, like there's a lot of there's a lot of damage. I think for all athletes, not just fighters. I mean, I'm sure maybe they're a little bit more for fighters, but I think for all athletes. I mean, I've I've 
been around some pro pro NFL, NFL players and some basketball players, and they've had they've had um, knee surgeries multiple times over. They've had ankle surgeries. They've had you know some, most of them have torn their Achilles. You know, for basketball players, football players, same thing. Soccer players as well. I mean, I've had I've had shoulder surgery, wrist surgery twice on my wrist. You know, three times on each knee, but not not ACL or MCL, just all meniscus. Um, I broke my patella in a fight, so I have two screws that go through my knee cap itself and you know squeeze it back together had ankle surgeries uh three times in 16 months that's what kept me out against gill the second fight for so long there's a lot of things you know i've got sciatica problems you know from all the jiu-jitsu being upside down backwards yep. all those other things that's a, that's a big thing and i have noticed just as of like probably in the last like month and a half my neck's been kind of giving me problems but i can't tell if that's from all the flights all around the world for you know or or if it's just from just fighting i, I think it's a little bit of both probably uh, but would I do it all again? There's not, there's no doubt in my mind I would do it all again. And we've had this conversation. Yeah. Look, as an athlete, as long as you're smart with your money, there's no, there's not another job in the world I would have ever wanted to do. I loved everything about it. I got to see all the things that I wanted to, uh, all the things I want to see. And I'm continuing to see all the things I want to see. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I mean. There's a lot of chance. I'm, I'm probably going to Tel Aviv. I'm we're doing Milan. No, you're not probably I'm, going to Tel Aviv. You're Tel, going to so Tel, Tel Aviv. Aviv, Milan, like you know, all around. I mean, you're going to be a resident of the yeah, UK. Of the UK, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> realistically, like those are all things that if I had a nine to five working anywhere else, I would have never been able to see these places. You know, I mean, I've been all around the world. I've been to South Africa. I've been to Asia. I've done two movies in Asia, but that was all based off because I was an athlete. You know, I was and. I'm very happy with everything that um, that I've been able to uh, do. I own a beautiful gym. I have great members. I have great people around me. Like you and I would never have met, yeah. you know. And this, it's like we have a show now. It's like these these are things that are exciting to me. Like when I look back and think about all the things that I could have done, I could have been a total fuck up, you know. And, <laughs> oh, tell me about it. You know, it's just there's. And I don't mean you. I mean me too. No, yeah. I mean, like I've yeah. I've done some time in in jail. I've been in a lot of trouble. I got in a lot of fights when I was a kid. I can't believe they let you out. Yeah, we could have met. Yeah, we could have met. I can't. I can't believe they let. You yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> it's just it's those things, you know. It's those things that I look back and think, because um, at the time I had no idea what I want to do, and I got out of college and I was like, look, I don't want to work in a nine to five. I don't want to go to the. I don't want to work for someone else either. Realistically, being a fighter, you do work for other people, but you also make your schedule. If you want to yeah. fight, you fight. If you want to go to the gym and train, you go to the gym and train. If you don't. You don't. Have no to. one's holding your damn hand. Well, you know, it's what I always tell guys that are going to be fighters or are professional. I give them three rules, you know. And training isn't even one of them. You know, I tell them. I said, look, at, you know, first thing is, if you're going to be a professional fighter, make weight. If you agreed, yeah. if you agreed to being, you know. Signing your name on that contract and telling that promoter, yeah, I can do that. That's your responsibility. It, you owe that to the promoter. You owe it to your opponent. Mm -hmm. Second thing is be on time. Don't be late because mm -hmm. every fighter is having to come down and be in that bus or somewhere or be at that way, and they're all waiting on you. Mm -hmm. Trust me, they'll remember you mm -hmm. as, hey, you're the dipshit that made me wait or I was cutting weight and I was hungry and I was dying and I had to wait because of you, be on time. And the third thing is, hey, when you fight, give it everything you have. Mm -hmm. You know, People are paying to see you fight. That's your job, so go out and give them what they you know, paid for. Now, I'm not telling you you have to go out and get hurt, but go out and give it everything you have. You know, 
I'm not even telling you you have to train, even though I think it's really smart. It's important. It's very important. <laughs> but, you know, here's your three things. So Yeah, for me, I feel like and the, your very first one was making weight. And the reason why I think that's probably the most important or right there with number two for me would be number one would be making weight is because that's the fight that got me signed to the UFC back in the day. When I first I got a call on two weeks notice. Uh, Philip Perez was one of my uh, teammates. He got knocked out in training, and I ended up having to fight Kid Yamamoto. Hey. So I fought in that sh- in, the, in a show over in Hawaii called Shogun, and there was <clears throat> Dwayne Ludwig, Eves Edwards, myself, There's Pete a lot Spratt, of Cabbage there, Carrera, uh, Sharuto. All those we were all on that card. There was like basically like the Who's Robbie Lawler. We all got signed in the in the hotel uh, lobby from the Alamoana there right after the contracts were there. By the time I got home, UFC apparel, UFC gear, all this stuff, right? But I life that, was good. Yeah, I took that fight on two weeks' notice because <laughs> yeah. Philip Perez got knocked out. But I had I was one almost one seventy. I had to make one forty three. <sighs> Made the one forty three in two weeks, <clears throat> and that changed the game for me because that that put that catapulted me into a, the biggest organization I could get myself into at the time. Yeah. <clears throat> and my relationship uh, at the time that that showed. The UFC that showed Dana and Joe that they were there watching the fights live. That hey, this guy just took the fight on two weeks' notice against Kitty Almoto, who was con- was on considered the other, number was, one in the world. At the yeah, time. and I cut down to one forty three. Sure, the fight didn't go. It was I got hit him in the groin, so, you know, so <clears throat> he couldn't continue. But they were impressed with the fact that I made the weight in two weeks' notice, and they were impressed with the fact that it was a good fight up until then. Mm. And so those are things that I feel is 100% important. The second thing I like to tell fighters, and I don't even, probably don't even have a third, is when you think you're in shape, you're not. Do more cardio. My, I think my biggest thing is people feel like the need, and I've, I've worked with a couple friends that they were really good. But when they got to the upper echelon of fighters, they were never in good enough shape to compete with them. Because they weren't relaxed enough. They were never in that. They just couldn't go the distance. So when you think you're in good enough shape, there's nothing you can do in training that will make you, that that will simulate a real fight. You can't prepare for that. You need to make sure that you're pushing yourself every single day in that cardio session. Every single day. In your rounds. You can be smart about it, but you still got to push the pace. And I train with a lot of guys that that's their mentality. You know, from Khabib to DC to Cain Velasquez, John Fitch. John Fitch is one of the guys that just never had, he never had the most talent. He no. was not the most athletic when you walked into the room. Well, he worked you knew his ass it, off, though. But he was a fucking hard worker, man. Yep. And I mean, like, you look at him now, and I just, I continuously just think he's 41, probably about to be 42. And I just think to myself, you're a guy that, you made you he carved his own way his own destiny right to where he wanted to be hard work hard work yep. all hard work it just stuck with his game plan sure maybe they weren't the most exciting but i pat i pat him on the back every time i see him because he's somebody that like when when you knew i always knew he'd stepped in that cage he was in good enough shape to push someone to the breaking point and that that right there goes a long way that's yeah but, see, <clears throat> but when you're looking at an element of fighting that's what people don't get that's such a huge and important element to be able to push something. This is what makes Tony Ferguson yes. such a monster is he can break you. Mm-hmm. He, he pushes you to the point your heart rate is it's, it's elevating, elevating, elevating to the point where you can't continue on. And now he's pushing at that and you fall off the cliff and he wins the fight because he beat you with cardio. And it's crazy. You know, the, the question for me was, am I ever going to referee another UFC fight? No. Absolutely <laughs> not. Not happening. Yeah. I'm retired. Yeah. Look at I have a great place with 
this company, Bellator <laughs> MMA, who I love. I love the people I work with, even Josh. Yeah. Okay. Look at I am having so much fun. I'm learning so much. This is, you know, I, I am the I, I look at it when you talk about, you know, your career. I'm one of the luckiest guys there is. I this is my third career. Okay. You can look and say I, I was a police officer in LA and I did that for twenty three years. I was a referee where I got to do the greatest fights ever for basically twenty five years. And so I retired from it because look at I have injuries. If you're gonna be part of the sport, you're gonna have to wrestle, you're gonna have to do jujitsu, you're gonna have to spar because you have to know what it's like and you have to be that person. And look at mine, I am a I'm a mess. I've had three AC three ACLs, I've had, you know, so many operations, it's ridiculous. My neck's been operated on three times. You you pay a price for it. Would I change any of it? Never. Yeah. It was the greatest thing ever. I am so lucky I was in the right place at the right time with the right people, just fell into it. But, you know, the refereeing days, they're done. You, know, you, you got you to gotta be able to walk away. Do you miss it, though? Absolutely, every time. Yeah. Because knowing they've got a point, and, and look, at anyone can, can make a mistake. And I definitely could make a mistake, even though I never made one with you, no matter what you said. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's being able to make the right call and knowing exactly where you're going to go and how you're going to handle something when no one else has a clue. Yeah. And you know, I got this. And you're going to just do it a certain way and no one will know what you're doing, but you you mold this thing and you manipulate it to the point where everyone goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's always that one that's sitting there waiting for you and, and I tell guys all the time, you know, I, I would go up to a referee that had a hard fight, something bad happened. Hey, thank you. I'm glad that happened to you and not to me because I just learned from what happened and now this is what you need to do and this is what you learn from it. And I ha I've had those, you know, yeah. I'm the Yoel Romero against Tim Kennedy. You look at what occurred there, actually, I was stuck. It, didn't, it, it wasn't Yoel's people like people thought. It wasn't, you know, Tim did certain things, but, you know, it wasn't. I felt bad for Tim because Tim got screwed. But So explain to people do. that don't, haven't seen the fight. Explain what happened. Oh, my God. What happened in that was, look at Tim Kennedy almost takes Yoel Romero out at the end of the second round. Yeah. Now, he did a little bit of a, a grab on the arm. I didn't see it. No, I'm yeah. not going to sit here and lie. And say, oh, yeah, I saw it. I couldn't see it, but almost puts you out. One of the last shots that he throws, it slices Yoel with about a two-inch gash over his left eye. It's a good cut. Yeah. You know, right at the end of uh, <clears throat> this is that's the third round right there. So it would be at the end of the end of the second round. Go back just a little bit. Let's go back. Let's go back. Okay. So what happens is he makes it through and Tim at right at the end at the end of the second round, when I stop it, Tim actually thought I was stopping the fight, thinking he won because mm -hmm. he didn't hear the bell. Yeah. But the bell goes off. I stopped the round. Tim looks at me. I said, "No, go." I said, "That's the end of the round," and goes. And at that point, here's where he hurts him yeah. right here. You can see him hurt. That's uh, just extra. He just yeah. stops right there. But yeah. I call in the ringside physician right away. Okay, and the reason I do is because you know Yoel he was wobbled. Yeah. And, and then I got the cut. Well, the UFC cut man comes in because the UFC pays for the yep. cut men to be yep. there. And I, I wanted to make sure, I was worried more about Tim's mentality and thinking, oh, I won the fight. Oh, now I didn't. And so I went over to his corner. I, t I told the ringside physician, hey, check on him. I'll be right with you. 
I go over and tell Greg Jack, hey, that was the end of the round. Yes, you heard him, but you got a third round coming up. Get yourself ready for the third yeah. round, right? And I go over, and the ringside physician meets me, and he tells me, he says, John, he's fine. He goes, he says, he says, cut man's taking care of the cut. He goes, he says, he's talking. He says, no problem at all. I said, okay. So he goes off, and about this time, the cut man, everyone's getting the whistle, and they're going out, and I go over to UOL, and he's got a giant blob of Vaseline, Vaseline, and it's streaked all the way back, and it's sitting on his ear, too. And I'm like, Charlie Anzalone was the inspector for Nevada, and I tell Charlie, get the cut man in here to get that off. You can't take it off? I can. Okay. But if I open up the cut, what am I doing? If yeah. I take and I try to wipe it off and the cut opens up, stupid here just created the problem so i want the cut man to come in and do it cut man doesn't come back in about this time tim kennedy's coming across the case hey what's going on and so i'm now taking care to get back to your corner uh. get it started in a second and by the time now charlie angelo has brought in not the cut man he's brought in yoel's corner man mm-hmm. who's sitting there starting to wipe him down I grab the towel of that guy's hand. I get out. I take the Vaseline off. Cut opens up. Right? And I'm like, son of a bitch. And the whole thing took 28 seconds. Okay? Now, normally, everyone thinks it's a one-minute break. Normally, in a fight that's on TV, here's that the last uh-huh. sequence of wow. he's hurt. He's almost got him out. That's the end of the round. And... What is normally thought of as a minute is normally about a minute 13 to a minute 15 is what it normally takes because we still have to wait until the production people are done and they give us this cue to start the fight. And it's normally somewhere 113, 115. It went to 128 before I could start it. So he got extra time. Did that screw over Tim? Possibly, yeah. Maybe, yeah. But the big thing was, why didn't you disqualify him? Why didn't you take points from him? I couldn't. It wasn't his corner. Yeah. It was the UFC's corner cut man yeah. that created that problem. And I, look, I went to Mark Ratner right away. I said, it was your, you know, and I'm it's your yeah. motherfucking guy that's causing me the problem. <laughs> and this was, yeah, and, and this is the difference. It's no different than, look at, there's levels of referees. There's level, Stitch would never, I never would have had that problem with Stitch. Yeah. I never would have had that problem with Don House. I never would have had that problem with, it was a newer guy, there's pressure, and... He created a problem, not trying to create the problem, but that's what ended up happening. And that sucks. Yep. So Jason Herzog first. He's thank God that happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I learned so much from that. That's I said, hilarious. yeah, thank you. Next question. All right. All right. Uh, Nicola Denae asks, what do you guys think uh, the UFC is going to do with the women's featherweight division with Cyborg gone? In my opinion, if they dissolve it, it's going to hurt someone like Aspen Ladd who's having trouble making 135. Mm. You know, it, it's uh, the real question is if you go back and you look at what the UFC did with Chris, and I know everyone's going to sit there and say I'm being a homer because Chris is now signed to Bellator. Look at this has nothing to do with who she signed with or anything. When Chris was fighting for Invicta, okay, and I did a number of Chris's fights. Chris, the, the problem is people are saying this. Chris had problems making weight at 145. Never, not once. Nope. She always made 145 and never had a problem. Where did she have a problem? 35. 
which the UFC wanted to get her to 135. So they went and gave her two fights, Leslie Smith mm-hmm. and then Nina, uh, no, uh, Lena Landsberg at 140. Mm-hmm. That five-pound difference killed her. Yeah. And you know, yep. look at if you're cutting that, that, that extra five pounds. five pounds is the worst. Oh, my God. And that five pounds drove her to the point she goes, I can't do this. So, because the UFC was not trying to do a featherweight division, they wanted her to go down into the bantamweight, and she couldn't do it. So then, well, we have this fighter, and so we've got to create. Some, so then they decide, okay, we're going to do a championship fight. Chris wins the championship. Well, first it was Holly Holmes. She fights yeah. uh, Jer- Jermaine Duranami. Duranami wins it. Doesn't want to fight Chris. Comes up with the excuse, uh, and, I, and look at. I'm not saying Chris at one time got busted here in California, okay, for PED use, okay? How many years has she gone being tested by USADA, yeah. being clean the entire time? Look at, did she make a mistake? She made a mistake. I'll say right now, that, mm-hmm. you screwed up. Yeah. But I can't sit there and call her, you know, hey, you know, you're a dirty fighter. No, she's proved now for the last, yeah. you know, six years, she's a clean fighter, okay? So it's a matter of, they now have lost her. They stay, have their champion. And, man, and, and, and the other part is, you know, people are talking about Chris didn't want to fight Amanda. That's Dana's, yeah. you know, comment. And look at Dana is a promoter who's trying to protect his product. And his product is the UFC. And so he's going to try to, if I can't sign this person because they're not happy with me or whatever it is, and they're going to go somewhere else, I'm going to try to diminish them as much as I can to say, you know what, we, we, were, we were just done with her. All right? Was he done with her? Absolutely not. No. All right? The reason she didn't want to sign that contract with them for one fight against Amanda is if she wins, she's stuck there, she's stuck there and she doesn't want to be there. Yeah. She doesn't want to be with someone that she just personally doesn't get along with. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's fighters that love Dana and there's fighters that hate Dana. Okay. And that's just, you know, that's part of being the promoter. And, you know, I don't know how Scott Coker does it because everyone seems to love him. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, this is, you know, what it is. And so if the featherweight division for the UFC right now, yeah, they've got Amanda, but they just don't have. They've got, you know, Spencer, who Cyborg just beat. They don't have a lot of people. And so I do see, you know, there's a possibility because. There's just not a lot of quality, big girls fighting out there at the bigger weights. And, you know, and now you got PFL doing 155. Which I heard they're getting rid with of. With Kayla. Well, they're going to. Nope. I heard they're getting rid of that whole Sarah Kaufman, Kayla. I heard that's all gone. This is the last time they're doing it. Really? Yep. That's wow. what I just heard. Yeah, there's there's just no there's, there's no one there. Well, there's no one there, and then on top of it, it's too, like super heavyweights really no and men. But there's really no interest in it, and and it's be, well because the quality of yep. fighters. You may have that one, yep, but you just don't have that that overall depth. And, you know, this is what makes 155 for men and 170 and 145. Though it's hard to be a professional athlete in our world today at 145 pounds. Yeah. Playing football, playing basketball, playing baseball. It's an A happening. That's why all the best athletes okay. in fighting are at that weight. At Bingo, because they're, they don't they can't have the be same. They in the NFL. They can't be in. You That's know, it. No, no, those guys are dunking a ball. <laughs> so <laughs> fighting is a way to, you know, hey, I can fight and I can be a professional athlete. And then, oh, yeah. And there's a ton of good people at it. But when you get into the 145 for women, 
there's just not that many. The one thing Bellator has done is they've created a pretty good stable of 145-pound female yeah. featherweight fighters that Chris can fight. Yeah. And look at I think Julia, you know, people could talk. Julia Budd's a great fighter. Yep. Her only two losses are to Amanda Nunes and Cyborg. Cyborg. Those are her two losses. No, no. Amanda Nunez and Ronda Rousey. She, sorry, she yeah, got arm barred by, by uh, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. So she's never fought Cyborg. And, and look. She's I, a different fighter, though, also, when, since she's fought. Absolutely. Ronda in the end. Uh, absolutely. She, a lot, she finally, at, at this point, in my opinion, finally, there's a confidence behind her. And we talk, you know, how many times can you talk about confidence? She's kind of got it now. She's, hey, I'm good. Let me remind, I, I, I just want to, I want people to understand this, is guys that were in the UFC, okay, like myself, and guys, uh, Robbie Lawler, guys that had been there and then left, yeah. reinvented themselves, came back even better. Julia Budd, I feel, is that same person right yeah. now. She been around, fought all the best people. Now she's here doing this, and she her confidence is at all time high. And we talk about confidence being that's what you need in fighting. That's what you need in sports in general. Like yes, in life you should be a confident person. And for her, she's matured into a very confident athlete. You know, and I feel like the people that Scott had signed with Strikeforce, they came from from UFC or from Pride, like you know. Uh, Robbie came over from Pride and Elite XC and those guys, KJ Noons. Yep. You know, they came from another organization and then Scott built them up, built them as stars. They became really confident in Nick who Diaz. they were. Nick Diaz. Look, Nick Diaz like, was in the UFC, got yep. got released from the UFC, goes to strike force, has some incredible fights, becomes the champion. Dude, his still his fight against Paul Daly, one round. Yep. One of the greatest rounds to of me, all time. The greatest one round fight I've ever seen. Yeah. To me, Unbelievable. Great, yeah. Great. And that was, sadly, it was right after the UFC had taken over. That yes. was the very first fight that they had actually. Yep. Yep. Because I remember Dana Lorenzo being in the front row for that fight at the, uh, right at the cage. And they were just in shock. And I'm like, yeah, see, Strike Force fights are better. <laughs> see, I mean, as, as a Strike Force fighter at the time, I was like, see, that fight had it all. Yeah. It was a great <clears throat> fight. Well, that, look at those, those bodies. And then Paul, Paul Daly comes back. He got hit to the body so hard. I, I heard. All of his air go, <laughs> yeah, just out, and he's going. Uh, uh. It was crazy though, because he, he, he rocked Nick in that oh, fight. Oh, dude, dropped him to his butt. He hurt him twice. He dropped him to his knees on that yeah. one part, but he got hit to the body, and instead of just, just you know, curling up, he just starts winging shots, and that's when Nick hits him with a big shot, just and he crazy. falls over. But man, what a fight! It was. Yeah, like I said, to me, that's still the greatest uh, MMA fight and one best one round MMA fight I've ever seen. Just a great fight, man! Yep, incredible. Both of them, the 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 shit talking, <laughs> the energy in the cage at that fight. If was there was, just I always amazing. hated the the stupid ref cam thing they wanted to wear. And this yeah. is this is the time right here. I wish I had a ref cam on because <laughs> he gets hit with it. that freaking left. He gets to right left. And he goes like this, and his right eye is looking straight up at Nick Diaz, and his left eye goes uh, and goes over that way, and that's why I stopped the fight. And it was like, I would, after afterwards you were trying to watch it, and everyone's like, "Oh, why did you stop?" I was like, "God damn it! I wish you guys could see what I saw." Yeah, but oh, it was a great fight, though. Unbelievable. You know, they're all like, you know, oh, you, couldn't you let it go for another? Round? Don't you think I would have liked to see yeah, another right? round, man? 
but but my freaking awesome. My point was is that guys have left the UFC and they've come back and reinvented reinvented themselves. And the UFC it just so happened the UFC got to basically take over the strike force when they took over strike force. So they they got lucky with all the great guys. That I mean, came the strike back hold it, hold it. The strike force the that that company that didn't you know couldn't even compete with the UFC yeah. as far as the fighters and stuff yeah. that all they all became champions almost, almost all of them did yeah yeah it's, it's amazing crazy. isn't and it and they were all really good i mean like for, but, yeah, but that's had. and that's the part that, you know when, when you talk about fans i look at marketing everything the UFC's phenomenal okay they do a great job of making people believe that you know mm -hmm. they have everything okay but trust me Depth wise, they absolutely have everyone beat hands down. Yeah. But when you talk about the top five fighters in other organizations, and this is what you know, fighters know because they cross train. Mm -hmm. You know, and how many times have you fought with someone, you know, trained with someone and go, oh, that dude's a monster? Yep. You know, and guys know, you know, guys that are UFC champions know the guys in other organizations because they'll train with them and go, Oh shit! This dude's this dude's a beast, mm -hmm. and that's just the way it is. The fans don't get it, but though the guys that are the top guys out there, man, look at you can just interchange them all. And I I could take, I honestly believe, I could take the top guys. You know, UFC heavyweights, Bellator heavyweights. If you allow me to match them, I can make the UFC guys beat all the Bellator guys, or I can make the Bellator guys beat all the UFC guys mm -hmm. because fighting's about matchups. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just who you match up against who. You know, mm -hmm. just the way I look at it. No, I agree. I agree 100%. I just think, yeah, I just think that these guys, because there was a lot of criticism because when she, when Cyborg came over, well, who's she going to fight? Well, she's going to fight Julie, but oh, because she has one fight over there. Like, she's leaving UFC because she doesn't want to fight a man in this. But I also played golf with Scott a week ago, and he said, you know, I'm gonna throw it out there. You know, I don't play. Gonna, I don't play golf with Scott. Yeah. I mean, Scott's never invited me to play golf. You know, what's that like? No, you live kidding. in Tennessee. That's fine. <laughs> okay. He no. He's, like, he's he's gonna throw it out there. Look, we signed her. You talked about she didn't want that fight. Let's make that fight. Oh yeah. There's not a real. Let's talk about you have the two, you. We have the number two girl apparently because she lost to her. Okay, you have the number one girl. Why not? Let's make that fight. I mean, Scott's proven that he's willing to cross from up. We do Absolutely. it with Ryzen. But he's Dana will not do that. And we've done it before with, um, we did it before with Pride when I was with Strike Force and he put me over in Pride and Dream. I fought in those other organizations. Gilbert, we brought Aoki over to fight Gilbert. You know, we, we've had, we've cross promoted every single time with the Japanese yeah. organization. And that's because Scott has a relationship with them. Scott's tried to have a relationship with Dana White and the UFC. I understand they've tried to have a couple conversations about maybe potentially having cross fights but it's not going to happen no but just definitely be, won't happen with a champion but if people are saying like D that chris cyborg left because she didn't want to fight a man that's ridiculous people need to understand the offer is there like scott coker is willing to go ahead and do that he's talked to like not just me but everyone else he's made it very clear like let's have ryan bader fight your heavyweight steep amiotis let's have that fight happen oh yeah he doesn't want that fight of course not you know and he doesn't want chris cyborg because as Nunes. soon as and i'm not saying it's yeah. gonna happen but if it happened that ryan bader beats steep amiotis mm -hmm. all of a sudden what who's who's got the best heavyweight yeah and he will never allow that to happen. Yeah. And and look at that's him protecting his promotion. And I can understand it. I don't like it because I would love to see 
those cross promotional yeah. fights, but but what people okay. have to uh, I keep saying, but people have to understand. What people don't understand, don't understand, is that Scott Coker. Sure, he's a promoter, but he's a fan. He's a real fan and a real martial artist. Like he's someone who's trained with Ernie Reyes Senior for the last I don't even know forever. how long, forever. You know, and uh, it's been a long time. And a lot of people that he that work for for Bellator, they they've been with him since when they were working like in his martial arts studios and his gyms that he had like they've been friends with him for the longest time he's a very loyal person that martial art type loyalty is what he looks at that's probably why him and i have worked together for so long yeah. um but like i said i was trying to say is it's out there it's on the table scott has made that offer not for cyborg yet but the offer i'm sure is there considering the fact that he's made it for other champions you know he said why don't we have Patricio fight your guys' champion. Why don't we have oh, yeah. Ryan Bader? He just said the other day, let's have Ryan Bader fight the UFC heavyweight. He's put that out there. The uh, the UFC is not willing to take that chance. So people are criticizing Chris Cyborg for leaving and, and coming here. You have to understand, like, if, if you're not comfortable in your workplace, we see, we hear about it all the time about people at workplace being bullied or sexually assaulted or just being whatever harassed. Well, and she felt that way. And there's video of her feeling that way. There's no reason for her to stay there. There no. was never a reason for her to stay there. Other, sure, she wanted to fight the best girls, and she's still willing to do that. But let's, why don't we do a cross promotion now? There's a reason. To, now we have a reason to do it. Like she's willing to do it. You know, you know. Like it's you'll never. You're always going to get some people that are. They're just look at. They like the one product of the UFC, and that's great, man. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you like it, and it's awesome. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not, yeah. but. MMA is great everywhere. Exactly, and, and you gotta be you gotta be open to watch it because you're missing so many great fighters. Like, I used to do fights over in Russia all the time. Phenomenal. Uh, oh, people have no idea. Look, there's some guys over there right now. You know, there's one guy I would love to get over in Bellator, but he is a monster. Let's not bring his, his name. Yet. Yeah, we'll, I won't bring his name. <laughs> up, but look at there's guys over there. They can fight. They oh, are yeah. good, and no one knows who they are. Yeah. But so as soon as you say something about, oh, they couldn't beat so and so. Yes, he could. Mm -hmm. he, absolutely. I'm not saying that he. I'm not saying he would, but he definitely could, because he's that good. You know. Well, and, and those guys are out there. If people want to, if they want to take a chance and look it up and see. Demetrius Johnson considered, was considered the pound-for-pound pound guy for the longest time. Yeah. Okay? Take a look at the problems he's having over a one. Oh, yeah. Those guys are tough. Hell scrappy, yes. nasty, and good. I mean, yeah. sure, he's winning. And but they're good with the rule set that he's still figuring out yeah. because look at that rule set changes things. And look at Demetrius is an incredible athlete. I, I love watching him fight. I, yep. I said it you know, from day one. I will put money down to watch Demetrius Johnson fight every time because he's that – he was that good as far as – especially in the UFC as a defensive fighter. He reminded me of a, a, of a Pernell Whitaker, a, a guy that was so hard to hit. You know, he didn't ever take damage. And, and mm -hmm. going against really good fighters. And I was just – he amazed me in what he could do. But, yeah, he's, he's, taking, some, uh, he's taking some shots. Yeah. I'm kind of sad one. we didn't get to see him fight uh, Henry Cejudo that uh, third, third time. time. yes. But I think they, I wanted, they wanted to get him out before that fight was ever to happen. Yeah, well, you know, and, and look at – again, personalities. Yeah. He had had some personality problems. He's not, he's not a boisterous guy, and uh, he's very quiet and, and just a family man. But he had some personality issues with some people, and – he wanted to get away from him.
Smart man. Yeah. That's an excellent. Let's one. go. All right. Uh, for the love of Faye asks, if there was one rule you could get rid of and this is uh, this answers your thing from earlier and in, in UFC fights, I assume they mean MMA, uh, what would it be? Let's see. Uh, if there was one rule we could get rid of. So, one rule in the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one rule in the unified rules of mixed martial arts. Okay, we got yeah. it. Yeah. My one my one <coughs> rule would be for them to get rid of elbows on the ground. I would take I, them away. Take them away. That okay. would be it. I would like them not to be there. So you want to add a rule. That's not yeah, take away a rule. Okay, if I had to take one away. Yeah, you're no. adding a rule there. You're going back oh, to old oh, strike. If I take force. one away, if I had to take one away, I would take the knees to the head on the ground. I'd be allowed to knee you on the head. Oh, hold it. You want to take away elbows. Because elbows cut you and knees, ta- knees don't. They okay, yeah, out. but but elbows do certain things. This is I one agree. Thing. Elbows on the feet, I'm okay with. Elbows on the ground, I'm not Why? okay with. Why? Because What's the, the fi- difference? Because I felt like a strike force didn't have elbows on the ground. I know, and, and, in, and in a lot of ways, it slowed the fights down. Wow. Oh, yeah. Because you can take and you grab my wrist. Okay, and you've got, and we have had it. There's certain guys, you know, and I can go back to pointing guys out that have the. Well, we have totally different opinions on this. And you'll sit there and see a guy that cannot do anything. In fact, one time I had a fight. Mike Kyle fights Bigfoot Silva. Yes. And Mike Kyle hits Bigfoot with a right hand that got him wobbling, going down. Yeah. Kyle goes after him. He he broke his right hand on that shot. And then he goes after him. He's hitting with the left, and he breaks his left hand. He gets Bigfoot kind of makes it through it and has him in his guard, and he's holding on to Mike's. And Mike starts taking his head, and he's hitting his head into the sternum area of Bigfoot. And I go, Mike, stop that. You cannot use your head as a striking instrument, right? He goes, John, both my hands are broken. What am I going to (laughs) do? Right? And it's like he's got nothing he can do. He's screwed. If you if you get a guy, you know, you can take and you can roll that elbow, so yep. you can always make it to where you want to grab my hands. I can still hurt you. Where if you take them away, you can slow the fight down more by have, being that guy that's got that Antonio McKee grip. Guys that have you know big hands and have that grip and can slow it down. It can make for a much slower fight. See, I, I'm glad I'm glad you pointed that out to me because I'm I'm open to hearing this type of stuff. But to me. I always felt like, because there was no elbows on the ground, anytime I was on bottom, the guy had to posture up to punch me, which gave me more space to get up to my feet yeah. or to cause a scramble. Absolutely. And the same thing for me when I sat up on someone that started ground That's pounding. if someone's trying to strike you and going after giving space, I'm going to posture to try to bring but that punch. But if there's punch. no elbows, then they have to do something. No, so. because what happens sit. a lot of times, and I did a lot of strike force fight, guys would start to just hold. And they would do the body shots with the hands and body, you know, body, body, head, all that. And a lot of fights kind of got slowed down. Not all. I'm not saying it all. Look at one of the one of the worst elbow strikes, cuts. Bobby Southworth. He was fighting Babalu in strike force, and Babalu brings a standing elbow uh, over the top and cuts him straight up yeah. and down the eye here, oh. man. Nasty one, you know. And so look, elbows. If you're gonna if you're gonna take them completely out, I say, okay, I understand why you want to take them out. But if you're gonna have them standing, then have them. Yeah, I just I I guess this is where we're talking about where fighters we think something differently than a ref would think or judges or yeah. the, whatever the rules system would think. Because for me, I always felt like I, I base it strictly based on around the, the way that I fight. Yeah, and I felt like every time I postured up too much, I had to have more control. It was to throw big strikes, 
and that gave my opponent time and space to escape. Yeah. Same thing for me. Is I was like, okay, wait for him to get up and go ahead and posture. When he postures, I'm out of here. <laughs> so it was kind of like my idea of how I was going to get out. So I always felt like the action was so much faster and just everything just seemed like it was always moving. I never had a chance to breathe or move, like to stop moving because they were going to start punching me. With elbows, I felt like, I, I also judged it too from the Sean Shirk days when he would just hold an elbow, hold yeah. an elbow, and guys would get cut, fight would get stopped by a cut, and it was like, all right, it was a boring fight, and the elbows didn't really do much. They cut him, and that was it. That was the end of it, and it should have been a lot better of a fight. Yeah, it could be. I would tell you, if I, if I was going to change one rule, it would be I'm going to add an elbow and that the whole stupid straight up and down, that is not, not a foul. Okay, But and, to the top of the head, no. Top of the head is fine. Okay. Yes. You can't do it to the, to the back of the head. You can't Got do it, it to any illegal area. But right, you know, the top of the head is a legal area Got it. for you to attack with anything right now. So the, the problem with the, the rule is, and, and again, you have to go back and understand. When we wrote the unified rules back, it was April of 2001. Uh -huh. I was the guy sitting there trying to put things in a position where I could look and say, okay, I can, I can make that work in a fight for me. Uh -huh because I had a bunch of promoters for the most part that were there, you know, giving their ideas and commissioners, you know, executive officers from different commissions. But, you know, the, we had a doctor, his name was Dom Coletta. And he said, you know, he goes, he, he had watched Gan McGee against a guy named Brad Gabriel and Gan McGee's bringing these you yeah. know, six foot 11 against a six foot tall guy and 330 pounds compared to 215 pounds. Yeah. You know, it's a mismatch. So yeah, it was huge, he, he didn't like the elbows. So, I, you know, it got to the point where I said, all right, so look at, so what we're saying is you don't like this hand straight up and this elbow coming straight down. So if I do it, if I do this, that's going to be fine. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So if I take my elbow and I bring it here, that's good, but I don't, not this one. Right. Yes. And it was Lorenzo Fertitta at the time, you know, cause I was arguing, look at, there's no, and finally he goes, John, let it go. It's stupid. Yeah. And so, yes, sir. I let it go. It became part of the rules, and that's where I came up with, okay, 12 to 6, you know, because there's a clock on the wall, and then Joe Stevenson is in the, you know, Ultimate Fighter Season 2, and I do his first fight against Marcus Davis, and, he, and we go over elbows, tell him exactly what he can do, and then he gets to the semifinals, and he's got Herb is going to be his referee, and Herb, you know, tells him, no, you can't do the, you know, the elbows, you can't do this from, from guard, you can't use this elbow, that's 12 to 6. And Joe Stevens, John McCarthy says I can do it. And, and all of a sudden, Joe Stevens is running out, you know, because I'm doing, I'm actually doing, I think, Forrest Griffin's fight that that night. And he says, he goes, he says, Herb says I can't do the elbows that you said that I could do. And I go, I'll talk to Herb. Let me find out what's going on. I'll come back to you. Okay, Herb, what are you telling me? He says, he, says, he goes, in guard, he thinks he can throw this elbow. I said, he can. I go, that's not 12 to 6. That's either 3 to 9 or 9 to 3. Yeah. He goes, yeah, if the clock's on the wall, but if it's on the ceiling, that's 12 to 6. <laughs> or when the fuck have you ever seen a goddamn clock on a ceiling? You know, and so it was at that point, though, that I realized, uh, okay, I understand this because I, I'm the one that came up with that. Yeah. And you can interpret this all kinds this of ways. So and that was Herb. And I was like, so he goes, well, it makes sense. And I go, okay. Yeah. So I would have, I, honestly, I always thought it was the same thing, too. Like if I was in someone's guard, they weren't allowed to do that. I just assumed when I first started, when yeah. the rule was first implemented or whatever, I just assumed. I was like, yeah, I mean, you just can't elbow there. 
I see guys doing it all the time. Yeah, you and can. I'm like, holy shit. And that's the problem is yeah. it, with a lot of fighters, a lot of fighters think they know the rules. They don't. No, they don't know. We didn't know. Nope. No, I actually didn't realize that you could actually do that. I think until like. Probably till 21st and cut the shit out of my forehead all over, like, like just in the guard. I was like, bam, bam. I'm like, oh, this this guy's yeah. the fuck. Yeah, yeah it's true. And you're looking at the referee going, what the fuck are you going to do yeah, about that? Nothing, the referee's going, nothing, it's nothing, legal. It's legal, yeah. yeah. All right, let's do, uh, how many more you want to do? Don't matter to me. Okay. I'll sit here all night. I'm having fun. <laughs> all right, I'm I'll, just talking MMA. I'll wind it down for you a little bit then. Uh, Azel Deco asks, if you were both on death row, what would be your last meal? <laughs> Wow, death row, my last meal. Man, it's going to be something simple. And my, my daughter's street tacos because, god damn, she me. I, I haven't I, had them yet. See, I, I, grew up, I grew up in a Hispanic area. I, I am a Mexican food junkie, and I'm trying to eat healthy so my, my daughter can make, like, cheese shells and stuff. And, uh-huh. and it's still fantastic. So uh, They have their own food truck, right, is what you're saying? Yeah, that's, what, that's, her, that's her plan. She's going through... My daughter just got out of the military. She's going through culinary school right now, and they want to do like a food truck, taco truck thing. Yeah, that's 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 what's going to make them happy. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent. And where do they live? They live in Knoxville, Tennessee now. Oh, they do. So yeah. they moved. Weren't they in Alaska? Yeah, yeah. They were up in Fairbanks. Oh, she was like, in the I don't military. Know if you eat tacos up there. But. Oh yeah, <laughs> but in Tennessee eats tacos, man. Oh, I don't doubt it. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I just heard something about LeBron James trying to trademark. Uh, copyright yes. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. What the hell is that? I'm like, there's a couple places that originally started the whole Taco Tuesday. It, they've been advertising. It's it like, for dude, no where do guys all of a sudden come up with? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trading my because what? Because you got a lawyer? Yeah. Are you kidding me? You got a lot of money. You can think you can do it. It's crazy. What a knucklehead. What would be yours? Uh, I'm a steak and potatoes guy, man. Yeah, I good would steak. Probably, yep, I would need a good steak. And you're gonna buy me a good steak coming yes. up. Yeah, believe, maybe. I don't I think. So. I, I didn't forget that one. Yes. If it wasn't where we're at, I yes, would I'd let grill, it go. The grill's man. good. Oh, dude, it's really good. So good. Place. I'm surprised. Yeah. Like honestly, like you never, you don't think of like a hotel restaurant. Yeah, having great good. food. But then if you go to the Marriott across the street, there's another place called the Acadia. Acadia. Yeah. Anyways, there's a restaurant there. It's pretty damn good too. That's a good steakhouse as well. Yeah. So both places are really good. Yeah, I love. It, I shouldn't bro. have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the grill is good though. <laughs> no, but they're both very good. Yeah, very. And the Morton's is right across the street too. So you have Morton's, Acadia, and the grill. All three of them, all within like I can throw a stone to it. It's good. Yeah, whatever that last meal, it would definitely have to be something really spicy. So as I die. I am blasting out gas that's affecting everybody. Yes, yeah, lovely, lovely. No, I'm uh, I'm a steak and potatoes man. I'd be like steak and potatoes, and you know, I'm probably some uh, some sort of like French bread. Okay, I was gonna say, um, don't tell me you're gonna do no, a vegetable. No, Not no, your no. last meal. You know what's funny is it depends on where I'm at, but I the at Morton's I really like their uh, asparagus. Yeah. With their um, what's it called? Like Himalayan salt on it. Yep. Oh, so good. good. And then um, Acadia has a very good um, what are those? Uh, potatoes that are they're like thin sliced oh man i'll gra- potatoes i'll oh, gra- yeah they with the cheese and the oh so See, but that's good, not the potato man. that's good it's the cheese yeah good. whatever man <laughs> i it's i was still good next next all right mma slam asks uh this question is for you both what is your dream fight regardless of era like if you had a time machine the one fight either one either would love to see examples igor uh, versus DC Mark Kerr versus Brock Lesnar uh, Sakuraba versus Ben Askren random picks mm-hmm. but you get the point 
Oh, I don't know. I have to I give me a second to think about that. I'm, I'm pretty. Um, man. Honestly, now I mean now because just because we talked about BJ Penn the other day, BJ Penn and Khabib. Okay. BJ Penn and Khabib. You want to know why? Because I think the BJ Penn that beat Kenny Florian and beat Sean Shirk, that BJ Penn gives Khabib a very very hard time. His flexibility, his dexterity, his his um balance on defending the takedown phenomenal and the way he gets to people's back he showed it against matt hughes guys if you shoot a shitty shot on him and with his flexibility he's already on your back yeah. you know and on your back he's nasty you know it's funny it's close one of the fights that i always wished i could have been put together and there was a difference in the size it was bj bj against sakuraba yeah i thought that would be just a cool fight yeah just a cool fight because sakuraba had it you know look at he didn't do jujitsu he did a catch wrestling Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's a different style. It's similar but different, and the way he entered into things was different. And I would just there was something crazy about I wanted to see that style because it had to end up on the ground, in my opinion, of Sakuraba's catch wrestling style versus BJ Penn's jujitsu style. But when you bring up that by cross promotion rules. Different rules, different settings. Like that's the thing. Pride rules were different than UFC rules. Yeah. BJ was used to fighting. The UFC rules, Sakuraba, which rule set would you go with? Well, I, I would I would go with the, the the pride rules because BJ had left the UFC mm-hmm. and he was fighting in Japan and he yeah. was fighting at Rumble of the Rock and there was different rule sets there. So I would just go with, you know, hey, go over to Japan, do that fight. I always wanted to see that. I don't know why, but that was always a fight I wanted to see. It was funny. I was there live watching uh, Takanori Gomi and BJ Penn in Rumble on the Rock. And uh, I went out there to, to support BJ. And the funniest thing is, is they, when Gomi was there and they were doing the rules, and they said, uh, and the Japanese, and Gomi's corners were asking, they said, hey, so like, um, knees of the head on the ground? And the, the rules were already set. It was supposed to be like the unified rules, the UFC rules. And then when Gomi asked, like, knees of the head on the ground? And BJ was like, he's like, yeah, of course. And then he got, and then he goes like head stomps and BJ without even flinching. He goes, of course, of course. Like he didn't care. Yeah. And that, like, I just wish that like the cat, like everyday fans could have seen like that type of mentality when he fought Lyoto Machido and Lyoto was like 220 pounds and yep. BJ was like maybe 185, yep. you know, and just, it didn't matter. He fought Henzo and he fought Rodrigo who were both bigger than him. Yep. It just, I just, I wish people could, I know that happened in Rumble the Rock and his organization and. But I just wish people could really see all the the cool shit he did outside of that and how he actually changed the sport, you know. Um, but yeah, to me that would like for me th- to see the Khabib fight and or a Khabib fight in BJ or even just the Conor McGregor and the BJ because BJ had some big dogs. He yeah. had heavy, heavy hands. Yeah, you saw other, that against Uno. The other fight that I always in prime, I would have loved to seen an in prime Fedor against an in prime Cain Velasquez. Ooh. That would have been a great fight. You just fight. got me. Yeah, you just got me. Fight. That right there is probably, yeah, that one's right there up there with me. Yeah, for sure, 100%. Because, yeah, because his wrestling would have been kind of nullified against. It you know, would have been the, interesting. And, and jiu-jitsu, I would have given the edge to Fedor. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fedor, Submission-wise, I'd yeah, give it to Fedor, wise. but there, there's areas that it just very interesting. Because, look, at Kane yeah. entered in certain ways and was fast. Yep. And that's what made Fedor so good at the time. He was fast. Mm-hmm. And so it would have equated out, and I really would have loved to have seen both of them in their prime if they yeah. could have matched up. 
very fast twitch. He was very that that guy that you just didn't realize how fast he was and then get so you got in there. Yep. You know, and just watch the explosion. So All right. You guys want to run through the contest? Uh yep. All right, let's run through the contest. So right. we were talking about doing a contest. We are looking for someone to do character. We're character. looking for someone to draw something that actually looks good. Okay. Right? We don't want the the ugly crap. Okay. You got to be. You don't send me your third grade, you know, drawing of me. I've already had that done. Unless your kid uh, is third grade and he's a really good drawer. Yeah, yeah if he's <laughs> then really go good. Ahead. That's it. But, but we want something for for the show. Something that we can put out there. Get some T-shirts. You know, look at the good-looking guy, the ugly-looking guy. It's okay. I don't mind that. But we figured a good character of us for the show, having shirts, and we will benefit from that, but we're going to make you benefit because we're going to give you some cool swag. So the swag, we're going to go ahead and get you laced up with uh, some MMA swag, whether it be Bellator, whatever we have in our old we, stock. We will. I promise you I will give you historical memorabilia yep. will be part of the package something that no one has yep that you can have so uh may not be worth anything to you but you know it, it got will some, be worth yeah something. i've got some old school fight shorts signed i've got some old school gloves signed strike force and ufc ufc from ufc 42 44 46 49 i remember got, those yeah i've got i've got old school stuff i've got old school posters signed by all the fighters you know, so from Strike Force UFC, first first time I was in the UFC, second time I was in the UFC. So we got the old school stuff. So, you know, um, we haven't really sat down and figured out which old school stuff we're, uh, we're going to part ways with. But we are interested in going ahead. If you guys send us over some designs, we love it. We use it. If we use it, we will send you over some swag packages, you know, um, maybe a couple bobbleheads and, uh, and everything else. Whatever we have in our in our old storage unit that we want to, you know, try to part ways with. So I'll just to clarify some of the rules there. So uh, design a caricature for, of Josh and Big John. Uh, email it to contestwip, that's weighing in podcast. So contestwip at gmail.com. And uh, Josh and John will go through once we have a good selection and we'll pick a winner from there and then we'll let you know. So should one of us repeat what you said because it's in English? So. <laughs> well, don't you do it because you slur a lot yeah, after do. that headbutt. I do, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, 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 all, it's not after just that ugly headbutt. It's all head trauma. I'd like to say it was just the headbutt, but it wasn't. Um, At least I know how to beat you in a fight now. Yeah, so we we are also going to film again on Sunday. Yeah, we are. We're going to film again on Sunday before after you guys the, fly out, right? Have you in studio again, and uh, we'll try and maybe get a couple more questions. But, of course, we're going to cover the uh, Bellator show. That will be And, our, and Khabib. The UFC. We'll talk about Cause that. Because there's a couple in there. <laughs> ah, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good Just that, look, you're Saturday. Mm-hmm. Dude, you got fights in the morning. You got fights at night. Saturday's a good yes. fucking day, man. It's so fun. People were hitting me up saying like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I can make the fights. You know, like, you know, like the the, the UFC fights are the same night. I was like, you know what? I said they're the same day. Yeah. They're not the same night. Yeah. And the I said, main like, card is at 2 p.m. Yeah. So yeah. we'll, we'll, when ours start at what? Ours 4.30 or 5? The prelims like, start at 4.30. 4.30, yep. Our first cars are at yeah. 4.30. Yeah. And we only have 20 fights. <sighs> Brutal, <laughs> man. I, I, uh, it's going to be a long one. It's going to be a long one. It's going to yeah. be good, though. But it'll be good, but it'll be long. Uh, but, yeah, so if you guys uh, check it out on The Zone and on uh, just on The Zone. The Zone. The Zone tonight. The right. Zone on Saturday. Saturday is The Zone. So, if you guys haven't subscribed to them, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on that for the zone. Also, hit us up on the IG so you can hit me at the real punk on Twitter and uh, Instagram. 
Also follow us on at Wayne in, uh, at Wayne in show on Instagram and then hit our YouTube channel. Okay. So that is also weighing in. All right. Big John. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram on with John McCarthy MMA and do exactly what he said with all the stuff for Wayne. <laughs> you guys just make sure you also, I like to say it when you guys go to the YouTube channel, hit the little thumbs up because that shares our videos to everyone else that may like MMA. So when you guys do that, it just, you know, when you start scrolling through, like I was looking through Dave Chappelle the other day, all of all the, all the other Dave Chappelle stuff came up of people like hitting the thumbs up, hitting the thumbs up. So it ends up showing up on my feed. So then our stuff will show up on other people's feeds as well. So do that for us as well as hit the subscribe button and refer us to other people as well. Please. So, all right. Take care, guys. That's a wrap. Thanks, guys. Bye.